Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 208, How Selling, Service, Coaching, Relationships, and All of Life Looks Different with Melissa Ford. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. This episode was a tough one for me to name, as you may be able to tell because it has a very, very long name. Because in this conversation with Melissa Ford, who is a longtime coach, uh, an expert in client enrollment and selling, um, she does a lot, which you'll you'll hear about, and I'll say more about. In this conversation with her, so much came up. I mean, we we talked about how she got into personal development years ago and how it's radically changed and evolved for her over the years um, and and kind of what's come along with that. So how her business has developed, how her coaching has changed, how her relationships look and feel dramatically different now than they did years ago. Um, and I, I love I love when that's the case. It's usually the case, right? Because everything's the same. We don't tend to just see something in one very specific siloed area of life because that doesn't really exist. Uh, we, we, we feel and experience the, the way our mind projects life to us and that, that tends to be more of an across-the-board thing. Life looks and is projected in a different way in a lot of different areas, not just around one little topic. So um, I love this conversation with Melissa. I, I think you'll hear a lot in it. And I really want to encourage you to check her out, especially if you're a coach. She's written a book called Living Service, which I share with change coaches frequently. Um, everyone who just came to the Change Coach Conference in Chicago got a, a copy of that book. Um, it's really, really good. I mean, it, and it it embodies the way that Melissa thinks about coaching and and service and life. It's really about being of service. And I think there's just not a more helpful, generous, kinder kind of way about going a way to go about doing this amazing work that we do than than to have it focused on service. So check out Melissa. I'll put her her information in the show notes here. Check out her book and enjoy this conversation. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Thanks, Amy. I'm really happy to be here on the heels of your group event in Chicago. And I want to just say thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying yes. When I um, we kind of reconnected there and you'd been on my mind and I thought, man, I'd love to hear just even from myself, uh, love to hear more about your journey because I know bits and pieces and I've read your book, which will we'll link to, and it says a bit about your career path and stuff, but there's always so much more that we can dive into. So, um, yeah, so maybe I guess just for people who don't know you as a coach, uh, maybe say a bit about what you do professionally. Like, yeah, what's your work like? Yeah. So I'm a full-time coach and I've been a professional coach since 2009, where I declared I was going to make this business happen. And I work with half of my business is working with coaches and helping them learn how to create clients and increase their income. And then the other half of the, the, my clientele 
are professionals, they're leaders. So they're either inside of organizations or they run their own businesses. And that work is really fun because the people who are in those positions really want not just their leadership to be to improve, but their whole life to get better. So it's fun because it is whole life coaching. Yeah. So that's what I do. I love that. So so the the people who come to you, those leaders, like what are their sort of issues and what are they looking for? Yeah. So sometimes it's somebody who's in an organization who's just been promoted and they want assistance with their leadership. For instance, I had one guy that had gotten promoted and one of his big concerns was the fact that many of his colleagues were going to become his direct reports. Mm. So how to create a leadership around that and um, his communication and his ability to create a culture and have people come on board. People that in the past had been his friends and his colleagues, his coworkers. Or sometimes it's somebody um, who's had a nice long career and they've really worked at it and they've um, excelled and they've risen in the ranks and they kind of pick their head up and they look around and they say, well, what about my life, my personal life? So people like that. And I'll also have people who are looking to leave an organization and either move into entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur or move into a different organization. Mm-hmm. So anybody on their path of developing their career, I love business. And uh, that seems to be my entry point into people's lives. Were you, were you in the business world before you began coaching or how did that take shape? Yeah, I wasn't. Um, my initial profession was law. So I practiced law for about 10 years. And then I had two kids. They're now young, amazing adults. And I raised them. And then I did different jobs along the way. I also helped my husband start up his own business about 24 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, But for some reason, yeah, there, there wasn't, I didn't come from a corporate background. I just really enjoy making things work, figuring out how things work. I love the money aspect of things and people who are motivated to want more for themselves. And I tend to find that inside the business sector just speaks to me in some way. Yeah, that's cool. So, so when you, um, like, how did you get into coaching? So you were, you were in law and then you were raising little kids. Like, what does that whole transition look like? Yeah. Well, it started out because I was pretty miserable as a person (laughs) and I was struggling as a parent. And it got to this point where I realized something needed to change inside of me. And I did not know what it was. And fortunately, I found a therapist at the time who was really more like a coach. And this is almost 30 years ago, who was more like a coach. And I'll, I'll never forget, um, he asked me this question and it was, if you could be happy, would you? And it just woke me up to what? It, back then, it was a choice. That's, that's where I just woke me up to, this is a, this is a choice, it's a possibility. Yeah. And from 
that place, I got on what I love to call the personal development path. And I started discovering that how the world appeared really wasn't the way that I thought it appeared. And I got involved with a place called the Option Institute. It's in Sheffield, Massachusetts, in the Berkshires on the western side of Massachusetts. And I studied there pretty much full time for 14 years. And I had a have a very good friend, and she and I would coach each other and probably do this four to five times a week for this period of time. And we also attempted to put together workshops and trainings and uh, enroll clients and all that kind of thing. And we were highly unsuccessful. (laughs) So that's what it looked like. And over that 14 years, I was learning about how thoughts create emotions and feelings and drive behavior. That was where I started before it looked like there were people out there in situations and circumstances that were pissing me off and not showing up how they should be. And that's why my life was so challenging. Yeah. And then I, I started to see differently. I started to see that when a thought was believed. And back then, that changed a lot of things for me because I was very much the, the miserable kind of angry victim person. And it was, it was wonderful. So that was the beginning of the journey. So what is, so you learned most of that through the Option Institute? Yes. And is that, can you say a little bit about just what they share and, and teach? Yeah, their overall um, teaching, they have something called the Option Method, and it's a questioning process to look at why do you believe what you believe? So it was really into the minutia of beliefs and how did those beliefs serve you? It's the complete opposite of what I currently do today. I don't dig into that anymore. But it was really good for me because I was so convinced it was this outside world. So they have two tracks at the Option Institute. One is for children um, who are on the spectrum. They've got a program for that. And then the other is for adults. And it's all based on thoughts believed creates create feelings and emotions and behaviors. And I just ran with it, loved it. It changed my life. um, I'm so grateful that I found out about them. It's how I feel about all my teachers and coaches along the way. Mm -hmm. How I ended up in their worlds, I don't know, but extreme gratitude for it. Yeah, it's so cool to see how certain things are just, just what we need at that time. And it's it's not only what's available and kind of how the world is thinking about things, but it's like, it it gives it to us. It gives points us in a direction that we can hear and we can kind of wrap our heads around. I have such a similar thing. When I look back, it's like, I wouldn't really send anyone there today. Like for me, like some of my early teachers and all of that, but just like you said, it's like, that was, seems like it's exactly what I needed. And Maybe it wasn't, who knows, but it, but it was, <laughs> but it worked. You know what I mean? It like opened yeah. something up and then it opened something else up and then something else. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I was um, talking to somebody and they were saying, well, you just seem to like to learn in stages, Melissa. I'm like, yeah, I'm a small stages, one at a time type of person. Yeah. And that, that was a first big stage for waking up and growing up and 
you know, I don't think that I could have gotten to whatever I perceived to be the next level unless that had been the foundation. Yeah. Really was something that I, I needed to learn. And and I think that's important for people to see too, because it's like, yeah, everything has value when it has value for us. Everything has the potential to just be exactly what someone needs to hear. So it's very easy for us to say now, like say one of your children was struggling and they wanted to go into therapy or they wanted to go to the Option Institute. Like you could look at that now and say, oh no, there's this bigger direction, but, but how the heck do we know what's right for them or for anyone? And I think I see a lot of people in kind of these conversations that that you and I probably have more now that are really struggling to kind of like, they don't see, you know, they'll like, Oh, this person over here says there's no free will. And I don't see that. And I want to see that as if they have to see that step. And it's like, no, Oh my gosh. Like at some point it made perfect sense to just see that there was free will. Like that can be so super empowering to question a belief, to pick out a specific thought and work on it. That can be so super empowering. So yeah, I think there's just so much to be said for everyone just kind of naturally, which we can do so naturally, leaning into what resonates. All it is is like what resonates now and then life will carry it forward. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it couldn't have unfolded any other way. That was it. Yeah. So, okay. So you were with your friend and you, and you're getting so much out of this personally, and you guys are kind of doing this process, I guess, this coaching kind of back and forth. But like you said, this was kind of before there was a thing called coaching. They were just doing the option method or whatever it's called. You know, like you were just doing that thing. But, um, so how did that evolve into like, wow, I want, I could do this with other people. And yeah. How did it turn into something that looks more like coaching? Yeah. Well, it's something that I love so much. And I was trying to get people to see what I was seeing. And you know how that goes. The more you try to get somebody to see something, they're not going to see it. And I was just very unsuccessful at the whole client creation piece. I didn't know. I, I thought, well, listen, this is so energizing and life-changing for me. Everyone's going to want it, but they did not. And I got to this place where I reached a point in my life where I had to really get real with myself, which was I wasn't pursuing a business, a coaching business, because I was so afraid. I, I, I thought I couldn't make it happen. I, I had lots of reasons why it wasn't happening. You know, it was my husband's lack of support. It was my friend who wouldn't get on board. It was those people out there. And finally, I just realized that I needed to do something. It was almost, Amy, like saving my soul. I know that sounds dramatic, but that's what it was. I got to this point where the fear of moving forward was less than the fear of staying the same. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the scales tipped ever so slightly. And I fortunately remembered um, the name of a guy that I thought might be able to help me. And his name is Steve Chandler. And Steve, I hired Steve at the end of 2009. And I 
made this decision, I'm going to learn how to create clients and run a business and make money and serve people at a higher level and grow. I'm going to do that. And I'll die trying if I have to. I was literally at that point. And fortunately, uh, Steve was the next person in line for me to get assistance from. And he's still my coach today. Um, And I'm grateful for him because he's someone who, what I love about him is he is always on the learning path. And as he's learned, I've watched him change myself. And then I'm always curious, well, what are you doing? What are you looking at? What's interesting to you? And I tend to follow um, more often than not things he's interested in, not all of them, but many of them. And then that's been my growth. So that's how it started. I decided I was going to um, learn how to create a business and enroll clients. And it started with Steve. I love when people are, um, and this seems like it would be a given, but it's not. When people are really generous with what they're seeing and what they're learning. And I think for me, that's how Steve is. You know, I don't have the same relationship you have with him, but just in, in my knowing of him over, over roughly that amount of time too, um, he's very just eager to not in a like eager is not even the right word, but like just so open and generous with here's what's helpful to me, or here's what I'm interested in in case you're interested in it too, you know? And it's weird. As I say that it's weird that we're not all like that, but we're not, (laughs) you know what I mean? There are people who will not tell you what YouTube videos they're watching and what they're into. And I'm not sure why that is, but but whatever that is, it's the opposite of Steve because he's always like, hey, here's what I like. Check it out if you want. Exactly. Well, that's how I came across you um, through Steve. I came across the three principals, Dick and Bettinger, uh, George and Linda. I came across Claire Diamond, who is also currently a coach of mine because of Steve. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and if he doesn't offer it up, you can ask him and he'll tell you. Yeah. So, so being underneath his coaching and his mentorship for all these years, he has been such a shining example for somebody who truly leads like that word, such a generous life in such a beautiful way to help people. And for me, I'm on that, that that's, I'm going to be Steve when I grow up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. I love that guy. That's great. So so you started working with him in 2009. So, um, so yeah, so then your business started picking up and how, like, how did, how did that evolve? Yeah, it did not pick up. Um, <laughs> how, how it started was I, I really wanted a transactional relationship with Steve and he sold me 10 sessions and I can use them. I love this before he died. I, I kind of, I didn't get his humor back then, but I could use these 10 sessions and I had them spaced out over a year and a half because that's all I needed. And I was just wanting him to give me his five tips, his five tricks. And all I kept getting from him was, well, what would help the next person? And why don't you help them before they pay you? Which to me sounded like a really bad business idea. But this was the guy 
Nothing much moved, honestly, Amy, in the first 18 months. I didn't make, I don't even think I made any money. And then he invited me to a coaching school he had back then. And I decided I was going to go. At first, you know, I was very skeptical. I'm like, oh, how convenient is this? We're going to upsell me. It's really what I thought. Mm-hmm. And I end up going to this, this coaching school that he has. And you have to fly, I think it was to Phoenix or Scottsdale, something like that. And I'm in this group with nobody that I know. And basically what he has us do, he runs an exercise. And the exercise is to create a column. And in that column, rank it zero to 10. And at the top of the column, write coaching. And he had us run through this. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to rate yourself. Where are you as a coach? And then write a little sentence as to why. So I gave myself a 12. Because <laughs> I've been coaching and doing all of this stuff since the mid 90s. I'm amazing. I'm that coach. Anyway, I no longer rate, rate myself at 12. There's always a learning curve. Yeah. So then he had us draw another column and he said zero at the bottom, 10 at the top. And then at the top, he had sales through service. Rate yourself. And I gave myself a two because I did not know how to do that. And he, I'll never forget, he said, when you learn to love sales through service, then it will never be the hard part of your business and you will be able to thrive as a coach. And when he said it, I knew it was true. So right then and there, as much as I hated this idea of sales, I I didn't even know what it was. I, I knew I was bad at it. I made a commitment. I will fall in love with this. And that's what I did. Wow. So how, how did you fall in love with it? I mean, so say a bit, I know this is so good. Say a bit about what that even means, I guess, first of all, sales through service. Because I think, you know, people who don't know Steve and his work and you and your work might be like, what does that mean? What is it? Well, yeah, I, I was the same way. What is this service? What are you talking about? And, and it, it's the basic idea of how can you help somebody before they pay you? Because otherwise, what happens is coaches will get on calls. I don't care who they're on calls with, professionals, other coaches, parents. And what they'll try to do is they'll try to impress the other individual with their credentials or give them a bunch of case studies or talk about, yeah, the stories, the case studies. And they'll try to sell the concept of coaching. But nobody buys coaching. When I first hired Steve, I didn't buy coaching. I just wanted this guy to help me. Yeah. Now I was so desperate. Just help me. So service is inviting people into a conversation and helping them know, letting them know, come on in. Let's talk about whatever's going on. Let me see what we can do, what you might be able to see. Let's do that first. We might talk again a second time. And then it'll be clear whether or not we talk about doing this in a paid relationship. And I learned how to do that. At at first, I didn't know how to do it. It took me years of practice and making mistakes, not getting the end result that I wanted. But that's where all the learning took place. So that's what it looks like. It's it's honestly um, having that generosity that Steve naturally has and inviting people in and talking and coaching so that it's no longer conceptual. They get what it's like 
to have me in their life, to approach a particular perceived problem in a certain way, to start to see what's true and what's really going on in their life. It just makes so much sense, too, that then you're not needing to sell so much, right? I mean, it's it's just flips that on its head almost. It's like, let's just do the work. And it's perfect, right? You were, you were a 12 already in your eyes as a coach. Like, let me show you what I can do. Like, let's do the work and let that speak for it rather than yeah. having to lead with this sales thing. Yeah. 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 Lead with the sales thing. I'm, I'm not a salesperson or lead with the marketing thing. I'm not a marketer. Yeah. Now I got to do all these things that I really don't do and I don't do them well. How about if I just do what I do well, which is coach? Yeah. Well, you mentioned when Steve talked about, I forget exactly what it was, but it's talking about this, I guess, and saying, you know, you're going to have these calls and we're going to give service before you talk about money and all of that. That didn't sound like a good business model to you. So I'm curious about that. Like, cause I think that's just the mindset, isn't it? That, that we're in is like, I can hear it in my head, new coaches saying it all the time. Like, and not because they don't want to be generous with their time and, and, and what they're really good at, but it almost can feel like, oh, isn't this just bad for me? Like, why would I give all this away? Isn't that devaluing myself? Or isn't that devaluing the coaching? Or or I just heard someone the other day say like, oh, I have a history of, you know, just giving everything away for free. So I shouldn't do this kind of service first model because it's going gonna, it's gonna to encourage me to just keep giving more stuff away for free. So I don't know. Do you, do you see that as like one of the things in the way? Oh, definitely. Definitely. One of the things that I'll say to, to coaches or anybody in sales who come from this place is see the value for yourself, what you're offering and know the difference that it makes. And also get that the highest form of service for anybody that you're speaking to is a paid relationship because it changes how you show up when you get paid it changes how the other individual shows up if they even show up if it's all free right and, and it changes who everybody is being how they're treating the relationship what their commitment is to getting what they want to get from the coaching it just changes it so i'll often say to coaches drop the drop the f word don't call it free anymore because it's not free what you're asking for is you're going to give them your time and you're going to spend time with this individual helping them. Let them understand how precious that is and have them show up ready to work on something. So it's very different. It's not just a bunch of freebies. And, and that, that's something that also gets learned. And then over time, you just start to see the value you bring and the difference that can be made. And you speak about what you offer in a very different way. There's so much respect. Uh, like that's the word that keeps coming to mind as you like it's there's so much respect for the other person, for coaching as a profession, for what this can do for people that I think, yeah, we just, it feels like this, this uh, service model really just kind of highlights that it, it makes it this sacred kind of relationship that you have right from the beginning. Yeah, I like that. That's exactly what it is. And 
that's something that every coach, when they get on this particular service path, they eventually start to see. And there is a respect for the profession. And then there is just a, a genuine love for the other individual and a willingness to see what gets discovered in a conversation. Yeah. So what was your path like as you started to have these sort of conversations and focus on service? Yeah. Was it, was it clean? Was it messy? How'd it go? Yeah, it was, it was very messy. Um, there was a lot of self-judgment. Um, fortunately, I continued to be coached. So I wasn't left on my own to buy into all the mental chatter that was occurring. It, it was not easy, but, but that doesn't mean that's everybody's path. For me, that's what had to be moved through for me to literally come out the other side and start, start to have a, just a natural confidence that there's any, that, that, that is there anyway, and be able to approach it and have it be more enjoyable. And it took me, it took me close to four to five years. So some people, that's not the case. Some people, um, whatever, whatever, thinking goes on. It's not as limiting as what I experienced there. They, uh, they've maybe got more background that allows them to move along the path faster, but that's, that's what it took me. And I had to be willing to hang in there with myself. And and unfortunately I did. Yeah. So now that vow that you made in 2009, now it's true. Now you love, love doing this. Yes. Yes. And I'm really grateful for it because Learning how to enroll clients, learning how to run a business, that in and of itself allowed me to start to see more and more of what was true in my life and continue to grow in my personal life and wake up to what's real and what wasn't and just overall have a better and better life, which then directly impacts the people that I coach. Yeah. And I'm just beyond thrilled at the things that have changed as a result of being a coach. Because in this profession, our ongoing work, our ongoing self-discovery, our ongoing realizations, this is what makes all the difference in our ability to help other people. And I, it's like a good addiction. I love it. Isn't it amazing? It's like, it almost feels like, uh, I don't know, it's just... The, the happy, the freer we can be, the happier we can be, the more we can see, it helps everything. And I know that's true for all humans. I mean, obviously there's trickle down effects and everything, but there's something about this also feeling like, yeah, like you said, it's a good addiction. Like the more we can just see for ourselves, we know it's going to so directly and immediately benefit our work that it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just very easy to justify. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Yeah. It's, it's part of the being coached and finding great trainings to go to and books to buy and podcasts to listen to. For me, it's a bottom line expense in my business. Yeah. It's just what it is. Yeah. And um, it's important for me because like I said, you know, my coach is constantly on this learning curve and that that's what has me to continue to want to work with him, but also my life opening up 
and, and having this and coming across this understanding that you talk about. That would have never happened if I had just been one and done. I'm going to make money. It's, it's not about that. Yeah. So how has your personal life changed? I mean, again, it, it's kind of hard to even separate it, but how, if you can put sure. words to that, how, what, well, what things have changed? I'd love to, I'd love to put words to it. I, um, what, what I, I want to preface this, what I want to talk about is simply that, like I said in the beginning, I used to think that it was events and circumstances and other people that made me feel how I felt, the negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered, oh, it was thought. It was thought that was creating whatever discomfort that I was having that I didn't care for. And then it turned into, oh, I'm the thinker of the thought. I'm the one having the thoughts. And so I can change the thoughts. And then it was, I once heard Byron Katie say something, um, just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to believe it's true. And that was a hmm, moment. What? And as I continued, I was in a webinar that Claire Diamond was doing. And I heard her say something along the lines of, you are just a thought. The idea of you is a thought. And I heard that, Amy, and I went, holy cow. (laughs) That's true. And it just happened at the right time. I don't know if I would have been able to hear that it could have even been said years ago and I never grasped it. But this moment that I heard it, all I went was, oh my gosh, that is absolutely true. This idea of me is just an accumulation of narrative and it's rather boring. I have a really good friend who calls it the greatest hits on replay. It's not interesting. It's the same stuff and it's all based on an identity in lack or deficiency or incompetency. I just, it just changed my life at that moment when I heard that. So I got on this ride and I've got, I've got a fantastic story about a major change. And, And I had been studying beliefs and looking at beliefs for years and years and years. And I had this coaching session with Claire and I'm, probably complaining about someone. It was more than likely my spouse. Um, One thing I've learned is that the close relationships are the ones that are going to provide the biggest gifts because everything that's believed in this brain body system called Melissa is reflected out and everything's a mirror. So I'm in this conversation getting coached and she says to me, oh, I see. You think you don't matter. I had never seen that belief before. But the minute I heard it, I went, oh my gosh, I think I don't matter. And it was so shocking because the way in which I, the, the image I attempted to project for years was I've got it together. I know what's up. I matter. I'm important. This was, this was the image. And when I heard this, I immediately went, oh my gosh, this is true. 
this is actually being believed. And of course, the minute, this has been my experience, you see a core identity, an identity belief, you see it everywhere. Like it starts showing up everywhere. It's showing up over here with this important relationship and this friend and this relative. It's everywhere. So I was given, and, and, and I began to see that it was thought. I, I could start to differentiate between it wasn't me, it wasn't personal, it was thought. So I was given a, um, an exercise. And the exercise was to go out um, every day and get five no's to make requests and get five no's. And the reason I was given that exercise is because the pattern that would show up by not thinking that I mattered, the pattern that would show up is that I would, for instance, to my husband, and this, this was a pattern up for years, I would say, hey, would you like to go to the party? But you don't have to if you don't want to. Or, oh, would you like to go to this event? But you don't have to. It was always, it was never a clear, clean request. Yeah. And I could see it was that that was the perfect behavior because the, the system did not want to hear anything confirming, not mattering. Yeah. It, it made total sense. So I was given this, go get five no's in a day. And I thought this is going to be cake. This will be so easy. All I have to do is call my husband up and say, ask him, make five requests. I'll get five no's. I'm done. I could do that every day. So I'm heading towards the end of my day of work. It's about 4.30. And I think, oh gosh, wait, I've got to get these five no's. So I call him up. He picks up and I say to him, hey, I was wondering, will you bring home some, it was the sushi place. Will you bring home the sushi? It's so delicious. I would love some. He says to me, oh, I just bought some for the guys. He has people who work for him. Now the me before would have been, oh, that's okay. But I got to get a no. (laughs) So I said, oh, well, that's great. But I'd like for you to bring me home some. Will you do that? And he goes, well... Would you call up and place the order? Again, I've got to get a no. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I'd like you to place the order. And this is what I would like. (laughs) He's like, who is this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he said, okay. And I said, do you need the phone number? No, I've got it. So this goes on. And then I try to get some more no's from him. It's funny. I try to change up the soup at this restaurant, which I know he thinks that soup doesn't travel well. So I asked for that. He's like, okay, I cannot get a no. I cannot get a no. I hang up and I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh, I also asked him to bring it home at a specific time. He agreed. He said, I wasn't going to leave that early, but okay. So I call him back and I ask him to bring home two dozen flowers, like, like, like two bouquets of flowers. He's okay. I'm horrified. I can't get enough. He's all these years. He's just been waiting to do whatever you ask him to do. (laughs) Who knew? Oh no. What? 
Anyway, this goes on and on. I cannot get a no. I'm having him travel across town, which he can't stand traffic. He's still going to get the flowers. He comes home. He's got the flowers. He's got the sushi. He also brought home two things that I had forgotten to bring home two days before that he knew that I wanted. He walked in. I just broke down and cried. <laughs> and he's like, what's wrong? And what I love about this story was that just what you said, who knew? But what was happening was the whole experience was being driven by a, an idea of me that I didn't even know was there. And there isn't even a me anyway. And it's just, it was coming in. It was just driving everything. Yeah. It shows, it still continues to show up. I have a greater capacity to be with it. It's not so horrifying or shame-filled because it used to be like, oh, and I, I keep being open to where else is it and where else is it? And it just keeps shifting and falling away. And my relationship with my husband is better than it's ever been. It's better than when I first met him. And it has nothing to do with him. It has to do with seeing this and, and having greater compassion for the fact that that's how it showed up, that particular belief, that identity, and that um, I, I, I get to really live with someone who's been wanting to do that all the time. Oh, wow. I so good. That. That's such a good story. Oh, it's so good. And you're right. It's, I love how you said there's this kind of just noticing it all over the place and how that can almost just be like, that doesn't have to be horrible. That can be mm-hmm. interesting. It can be cute. It can be fun. It can be funny. Like, oh my gosh, here it is over here. Because I think it's really easy for, for a mind to say, well, I know there's no me and therefore I know this story is completely ridiculous and I've already seen through it 50,000 times. So why does it keep happening? You know, but to see, to have to back up a few more steps and just see with curiosity and maybe even compassion, like, well, because this is what happens. This yeah. is this is what a mind does. It creates a me. It then makes rules about this me. And it just goes out to try to prove that right forever and ever and ever, maybe. But but there's something bigger that's seeing the whole thing play out, which is so cool. Yeah, it is. And you know, at first it was it was so cringy and oh, this is horrible. I can't, I, I saw it. Why is why is this showing up? It's because I it, I kept relating to it from a, a personal identity and it had meaning then. And then I began to slowly start to really see, because remember, I like stages, <laughs> that the you said this so well at the your event, that the background is what I am, the awareness, this space, this presence. And that is uh, that's much truer for me today. And it literally, the background has moved more into the foreground and the foreground's gone back. Yeah. So that when it does show up, there is the curiosity. Mm-hmm. There's also, it is funny. It used to not be funny at all. 
it just took some time and now it's showing up in all these places. And I do, I do see it as the opportunity um, to keep moving towards it and be curious about it and see what changes in the behavior with other people, my behavior with other people. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful. And there's other things, but that has really been the, the biggest one. If, I don't know if this is your experience, but for me, it's like when, when a big one like that is seen through, all kinds of other little things start to just show up also and start yeah. to crumble. It's like moving a really big boulder and then all the little rocks kind of start falling, you know? So that's fun too, because again, it has nothing to do with the content of this stuff. It has nothing to do with you. It never did. It is, it's just a, a thought that was believed for a really long time and seen as not as a thought, like believed as an actual fact of life. And, and so, yeah, there's something about budging something like that, that just opens up so many other things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it just seems to me that the closer in these relationships, it seems like the bigger boulders start shaking. Yeah. That's been my whole experience of it. I love to, I, I've seen this so, so much with people in this work, um, how you say, you know, you've been married for a long time and it's better now than it ever was. And I, I just want people to hear that. I, mm-hmm. I, I've only been married for 16 years, but I feel the same. It's like, man, I, this is not the guy I'm married and he's exactly the same, right? Probably. But it, this is a better marriage every single year. And who the heck knew that? That's sure not what I was told was going to happen. It was no. supposed to get hard and you're supposed to get bored and all of this stuff. And I just want people to hear that because I think it's really common actually that as we see things in a different way. Just like you said, it's so much about these relationships because they're just the mirrors for our projection. So the closer we are with someone and the more stuff we probably had going on in the past, oh my gosh, so much can change in just such a beautiful direction. Yeah, it really is. And um, before... He would say things to me and it would, it would, I would take them as attacks or jabs because with the filter, with the lens of not mattering, that's what those things had to be here. It could be any different. And then when I started to see that, one of the things that's changed is he still does that, but that's his humor. And it's funny as hell. I mean, some of the things that he says are, they're hysterical. I, I, there, because there isn't such a strong identity to have to protect and defend, it just, it's, it's humorous and we can laugh about it and be playful with one another. And I just so enjoy his company, his, um, the way that he sees the world. He's an incredible business person. I before couldn't have taken any advice. And now it's just fascinating to have conversations with him about business and how he sees it. So yeah, the whole thing has changed. And um, I am so grateful that uh, I saw what I saw well, and, and, and seeing more and understanding. I know there's just even more available. 
Yeah. I'm just at the very beginning. I know. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. It is so cool. It is like, who knew this journey was going to be like this? And you're right. It's so fun to think. And man, this is not like the end. I mean, this is just the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. This is so yeah. good. Thank you so much for sharing this, Melissa. I love I love hearing how things have changed so much in a way that, like you said earlier, you didn't, you weren't in there working at this, you know, it's like you, you, you saw something that was freeing for you way back when, and you just wanted to share it. And so this is, this is me putting a, a overlay on what you just shared, but it's like, so you just did. And then you said, Hey, I suck at sales. I need to get better at sales. And so all through life, it's like, just step the next step, the next step, the next step, and look at what starts to unfold. And that's just how it ever, always is for us. Right. We just do the next thing. Yeah. And so much can happen just from that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the beautiful impact of this understanding is it's so much clearer in my life that when I coach people, I'm not coaching them in their stories. Right. We're beyond that. Yeah. And so I'm not falling for it, the story. I'm not, I'm not thinking that's the problem. I can literally see it's not true. And it's such a relief because conveying that to a client or helping them see something else, you can just see they start to relax. They start to, um, there's an opening rather than just another problem to solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is yeah. such a good conversation. Thanks, Amy. Just a pleasure being with you. The Change Coach Home Study Course provides a foundation that allows you to help people become free of habits, anxiety, and all forms of suffering. The course focuses on your own understanding of what's true of all people and how change works. You experience your own personal transformation so that you can guide others with conviction and clarity. As your grounding deepens, you'll learn the ins and outs of having conversations that allow people to see their own health. You'll get to watch several full coaching sessions that will be debriefed and discussed. You'll get lessons on issues that commonly arise in working with others. You'll hear from seasoned practitioners such as Mavis Karn and Mark Howard. And you'll get my latest business building workshop. And that's just some of what you get. There's actually much more in this amazing course. The Change Coach Home Study course is perfect for you if you're already working with people, either as a coach, therapist, or maybe in HR, education, or business, or if you've never worked with people in this way, but you're ready to expand your grounding and see if coaching is for you. The newly expanded and improved Change Coach Home Study course is normally $2,500, but is currently discounted to just $1,575 for members of Student Access Plus. Best of all, if you decide to go through the six-month live Change Coach certification course with me in 2023, what you pay toward the home study course goes toward your tuition. Check out the full details, payment plans, and everything about this in-depth and new and improved training course at dramiejohnson.com slash changecoachtraining, the home study course, and the link is in the show notes.